Hey there, friends and foes. Good morning, multiverse. This is Back of the Cereal Box, the pop culture podcast that celebrates the fun of the Saturdays of our youth while surviving adulthood today. I am your host, the prophet of pop culture, John Pica. You can call me Johnny. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the four streaming movies that should have been theatrical releases. And we're going to do that right after this. It's like Coca-Cola, Levi Strauss, Johnny Carson and Mickey Mouse. The first star was James Dean. Heaven's Presley, yeah, he's still the king. Some things are only Alright friends and foes, this is Back of the Cereal Box, the pop culture podcast that celebrates the fun of the Saturdays of our youth while surviving adulthood today. And when I was a kid, Saturday mornings meant big bowls of cereal, cartoons, comic books, pro wrestling, kaiju, kung fu movies, and because we didn't have smartphones or tablets at the breakfast table on Saturday morning, or any morning for that matter, In between cartoons, comic books, kaiju, and kung fu movies, we were reading the back of the cereal box, and that was our newspaper, that was our world. For me, that introduced me to so much of the pop culture that I love today, including our topic that we're going to be talking about, because you might be wondering, Johnny, what do movies have to do with Saturday morning? Well, Our podcast isn't just about Saturday morning, it's celebrating the Saturday experience. And when I was a kid, after cartoons and cereal and kung fu movies, mom and dad would kick us out of the house. They would basically say, go out and play. And when I was old enough to ride my bike any distance at all, Saturday afternoon meant riding down to the mall about 10 miles on our bicycles to catch a Saturday matinee movie. Some of my fondest memories are jumping on a bike and going to see movies like Ghostbusters and Back to the Future, Goonies, Edward Scissorhands, all of those I experienced on a Saturday afternoon after cartoons, comic books, kaiju, kung fu movies, and big bowls of cereal. And so that's what this episode is about. In particular, I want to talk about the four movies that were released in 2022, direct to streaming, but should have been theatrical releases. Now, it's important to understand that when I was a kid, we didn't have streaming services. So there are some of you listening to this right now that you don't understand that we didn't have on-demand streaming services, we didn't have Blu-rays, and when I was a kid, we didn't even have DVD. VHS was just emerging. And if you didn't see a movie in the theater 
you might not see it for three or four years until it was released on television or on VHS tape, if then. This was a big deal. And people today, my kids, (laughs) have become incredibly spoiled by on-demand streaming services. And I'm one of those people, I hate watching movies at home. I absolutely hate it because there are so many distractions. There's the dog. There's the doorbell. There's, wait, do people still come to the door unannounced today? Yes, they do. Uh, There's all kinds of distraction. People, you know, who don't want to watch the movie with you, but they're in another room and they may shout out and ask you a question or people who are watching it with you, you know, they got to get up and go get more snacks or use the, I just, I hate the at home movie viewing experience. However, I've been forced to watch several movies that this year have been among my top five favorite movies. I've been forced to watch them at home on streaming services And these are four of my top five. And all four of these, I believe, should have been released in the theater, on the big screen, and we're going to talk about them one at a time, starting with Prey. So Prey, P-R-E-Y. Nauru, a skilled warrior of the Comanche Nation fights to protect her tribe against one of the first highly evolved predators to land on Earth. This was a Predator prequel. Predator was one of those movies that I saw as a Saturday matinee on my bike watching Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, uh, Carl Weathers and... um, Jesse Ventura, I ain't got time to bleed. I love that movie. It was a perfect movie when it was released. And one of those movies that was kind of ruined for me by subsequent sequels. But this movie, Prey, goes back to the beginning. The very first Predator to land on Earth. And it is the, the female woman in the Comanche tribe. She's a girl. She wants to be a hunter. She wants to prove herself. And she is the one who ultimately saves Earth from this predator. This movie was phenomenal. It was directed by Dan Trachtenberg, and it starred Amber Midthunder as Naru, Dakota Beavers as Tabi, and Dane De I'm going to butcher this name, Dane Delegro as the Predator. And the entire cast were Native American Comanche actors and actresses. The movie was even dubbed in Comanche, so you can watch the movie either in English or in Comanche. It's really phenomenal. This movie was so 
well produced, so well directed, so well acted, and it hit all of the right emotional touch points. And unlike other franchises that have tried to do prequels, this nailed it. This was phenomenal. And what made it even better was you don't even have to have seen the original Predator to watch this movie and to love it. So check out Prey. It is on streaming on Hulu, but it should have been a theatrical release. Up next is The Atom Project. And if you listened to my review of The Atom Project earlier in 2022, you know that I absolutely loved this movie. I went into this without any real expectations. I'm going to admit something that's going to maybe get my geek cred card pulled. I'm not a big Ryan Reynolds fan. I find him mildly amusing, but he's not one of those actors that I have to see a movie because he's in it. So the Adam Project, though, caught my attention because the trailer was showcasing a lot of sci-fi tropes that really interest me. And it looked like a lot of inspiration from the Star Wars franchise. And that is absolutely 100% true. There are some scenes and some imagery and some weaponry that looks like it could have come right out of Star Wars. But it's a time travel movie. And I love this. Ryan Reynolds plays Adam. Walter or Walker Scoble plays his younger self. And Adam travels back in time to save his wife, Laura, played by Zoe Saldana. And... Well, I don't want to give any more away, but it also stars Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner, who plays Adam's mother, and it is filled with super high-velocity action, adventure, time travel. It's got paradoxes that will make your head hurt. But it's really a coming of age for Adam. Adam's already already an adult, but he encounters his younger self when he travels back in time. And his younger self, this is incredibly irresponsible and dangerous, but he allows his younger self to team up with him to save the future and to save his wife, Laura, it is one of the best time travel movies I've ever seen, and it is one of the most fun action-adventure movies I've seen in a long time. It was released as a Netflix exclusive. It should have been released as a big-budget theatrical release. Check out The Atom Project. This next movie is the movie that cost 
Bob Chapek his job as the head of Disney. I am talking about the Pixar animated film Turning Red. Turning Red is about a young girl who comes from a family that are basically wear pandas. They, the women in their family turn into red pandas, giant red pandas. And Maylin is the young character, the young girl who is coming of age where she discovers her power. In short, it's the original Teen Wolf repackaged with a Chinese girl. But it's really, really spectacular. And, it, and it's more than that. But if you saw Teen Wolf from the 80s, another movie that I rode my bike to see a Saturday matinee of, you're going to get an idea of the plot of this mu- movie. And it is the first Pixar movie that features a Chinese lead character. It's directed by Domi Shi. Uh, the story is written by Julia Cho. So, you know, heavy, heavy Chinese culture and influence in this movie. But it was so good. The story was so solid. The characters were so relatable. And it played on a trope of that teenager discovering abilities, turning into something. And yes, there was kind of a, an, an analogy, an allusion to a young girl getting her period for the first time. And that caused a lot of outrage among parents. I don't know what parents, but apparently that's what the internet says. And that was such a small piece of this story that it doesn't even merit mentioning. The story is a great, great superhero coming-of-age story. Because ultimately, that's what Mei Lin chooses to be. This panda who has, you know, basically it's a superpower. And she's super strong, super fast, great agility. She has decided to honor the, uh, the, the heritage, the legacy, and not see it as a curse and embrace her ability to transform. This should have been a big theatrical release. And Disney really shot themselves in the foot by releasing so many Pixar and Disney films direct to streaming during the pandemic. I'm talking about Soul and Luca and um, uh, Onward. And, And so when it came time for Turning Red, theaters were already open. We were out of the pandemic for the most part. But Chapik decided to continue the trend and to release it to streaming. It didn't initially hurt this film's release, but it really, really damaged the release of Lightyear and Strange Worlds because by that time, Disney fans had been conditioned to expect these movies to be released direct to Disney+. 
And it's a shame because this movie deserved a theatrical release. It was one of my favorites of 2022. And I like to believe that this story takes place in the same universe as The Incredibles. And I would love to see Red teaming up with The Incredibles and the other heroes of that universe. So check out Red on Disney Plus, Turning Red. And this last one, I was surprised I enjoyed this movie as much as I did. But I loved Glass Onion. Now, if you don't know about Glass Onion, it is a sequel to Knives Out. And it was released direct to Netflix. And Netflix insisted on adding the tag, A Knives Out Mystery. But it's not related to Knives Out at all, with the exception that the lead character, played by Daniel Craig, is Benoit Blanc, the world's greatest detective. We met him in Knives Out, and we see him in a new story in Glass Onion. It was written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Yes, that Ryan Johnson, who is notorious for creating The Last Jedi, which I think is the best of the sequel trilogy. It also stars an all-star cast. We've got Edward Norton as Miles Braun, Kate Hudson as Bertie J, Dave Bautista as Duke Cody, Janelle Monet as Andy Brand, Catherine Hahn as Claire DeBella, uh, Jessica Henwick as Peg, we've got Leslie Odom Jr. as Lionel Toussaint, and there is even, even uh, uh, cameos by Ethan Hawke, Stephen Sondheim, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Serena Williams, and Hugh Grant. This movie was phenomenal. It was, listen, it was a great twist and turn mystery that was, the story was originally just to be a game, a murder mystery game, but it turned into a real murder mystery investigation And I got to tell you, I was mildly amused by the original Knives Out. I thought it was an okay film. I wasn't over the moon about it. It was just okay. This movie, however, had me on the edge of my seat. I I was entranced. I was engaged. I was enthralled. I laughed. I was shocked. And... I was just impressed by everyone in the cast, and especially Janelle Monet. She has become one of my favorite actresses in Hollywood, and she was just exceptional in this movie. Exceptional. And I got to tell you, Benoit Blanc has become a favorite character of mine. I can't wait to see the next adventure of Benoit Blanc. And what made this movie so really touching is that it takes place during the COVID-19 pandemic era. So when the movie starts, they're all wearing masks. And as the story progresses, they all get 
this magical inoculation so they can drop the masks and enjoy the rest of the uh, the party on the island owned by Edward Norton. And that's all I want to tell you about it. And Glass Onion may sound like an odd title, but it has a very, uh, very important meaning that or meaning that's what Edward Norton's character calls his complex, the Glass Onion. And all of the characters involved are old friends who have been reunited to play this murder mystery that was prompted by Edward Norton's character, Miles Braun. That's all I'm going to give you. This movie was fantastic. I highly recommend it. And the sad thing is, it was released only to Netflix, and it should have been a theatrical release. I wanted to see this movie in a theater on that giant screen with the sound. All right, guys and gals, that is my list for the four movies that I believe should have been released to theaters instead of just released to online streaming platforms. And I'll give you an honorable mention with Day Shift, the vampire movie with Jamie Foxx. But I want to know what you think. Did you think that these movies should have been released to the theater? Or are you content to watch movies at home? Do you think that there were other movies that were released to streaming that should have been theatrical releases that I didn't mention? And are there any of these four that you absolutely hated and could care less about? I want to hear from you. You can send us an email at serialboxpodcast at gmail.com or if you're listening on Anchor, you can click the voice message button and send us a voice message and we'll play it on a future episode. Let us know what you think. And you can join our Facebook community, our social media community on Facebook, the Serial Box Network Saturday morning rec room. There's a link in the show notes. Join that. Let us know what you think. And of course, make sure you support our sponsors. The Murdering Crows, they did that awesome theme song. You can get their album, Four Bad Crows, wherever you buy music. Amazon, Google, uh, iTunes, anywhere. And also want to mention Entertainment Earth and Things from Another World. If you love comic books, if you love collectibles, check them out. Both links are in the show notes. Finally, if you love our show, consider becoming a contributor. Buymeacoffee.com slash CerealBoxPod. The link is in the show notes. But you can become a contributor and help support us financially so that we can continue to produce great content just for you. Buy us a bowl of cereal, two, three, four. Buy us the whole box. And if you hate our show, contribute even more generously so that we can improve it just for you. Well, guys and gals, that is it for me. I am John Pica. Follow me at johnpica.com. And until the next time, tell two, three hundred of your closest friends and family to come share the fun. And we'll catch you on the back of the cereal box.